You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Have a good one for you today. I talked to former Redskins quarterback Joe Theismann before the Super Bowl about the Redskins quarterback situation, what he thought of Dwayne Haskins and what he needs to see more of, what he thinks of a possible Alex Smith return. Theismann has talked to him and nobody understands the answer to one question when it comes to Smith. Why would he want to return? And what's the big difference between his situation and Smith's? which could allow Smith to return. Also, Theismann knows Dan Snyder quite well, and there was one thing that he said he's seen more of from Snyder in recent weeks. And then there's a podcast mailbag, answering questions about the new Redskins setup, as well as the tight end position. Then I close it out with a few Redskins-related thoughts after watching the Super Bowl Sunday night. But first, my interview with Joe Theismann. Now I'm joined by legendary Redskins quarterback Joe Theismann, and I appreciate him joining me. And we are talking before the Super Bowl, so I'm not going to get into all that. I do want to get into the Redskins quarterbacks and then Dan Snyder's moves this offseason. So let's start with this. What did you see from Dwayne Haskins late in the season um, just to kind of wrap up his season? I saw continued improvement. I saw his ability to throw the football. I saw his toughness. I saw his progress when it came to comprehension of the game and the offense. Those are all very positive. Now, the big thing is he has to stay healthy right. uh, so he can continue to grow. That, that's always an issue. Availability is the most important thing you can have. And that's and absolutely, it's always the Able family. Everybody talks about that, availability, reliability, durability, and all that. Are you convinced yet, or what do you need to see to be convinced that, yeah, he's the guy, not just now, but going forward? Well, yeah, I, that, that, that word potential uh, looms large in every aspect of life. And Dwayne certainly has the potential to be able to be the quarterback in Washington. Now, how far he goes depends upon the people around him. I've always said this, but the quarterback position is the single most dependent position on the field. So as we put the pieces together around him, he can get better and better and better. Um, I think he can lead this football team to, to – very very good places now the question is is he's going to have to go out and prove it to a coaching staff you know this group did not draft him number one right so you're going to be out there competing for a job against other people who are going to be competing for a job and you will be evaluated on your performance in OTAs and mini camps uh you're you know you're being on time at meetings you're practicing after you're showing up early all of the things that go into learning the trade at the highest level. And, and 
Ron Rivera during his first press conference brought up he wants to see leadership from him. When you heard those comments, what did you did you think that was a coach speaking generically, or do you think it was more like this is yeah he he has talked to people and he goes this is what I need to see. What how did you take those comments? I I thought it was very specific to Dwayne. I thought you know he he needs to see those things. He wants to see those things. Um, I, I think there were were times where uh, you know not being on the play on the field for the last play of a game, mm-hmm. uh, overtaking selfies. This isn't college football. And I think Ron basically said is I need to see leadership. I need to see professionalism. I need to see somebody who understands that this is a job, a very serious and important job. And this is, you know, next to the coach, this is the position that makes a difference on your football team. He's obviously a very young kid still. He's, he's 22 years old. You know what it was like to come in the league at a young age and, or playing at a young age. Can you grow into that role? Is that, you know, and, and how can you grow into that role? Well, I've seen him grow into it okay, uh, through the course of the year. I really do. I, I think that, you know, this is a young man that wants to play football. This, this is the thing. I mean, you've got to want it. You've got to want it bad. And, mm-hmm. and with, you know, with Dwayne, I see that. He wants to be better. He wants to learn. And, and that, to me, speaks volumes for the type of person he is. I think, you know, the questions are only going to be answered in time, how well he can play. Right. But I believe he brings everything to the table that is necessary to be able to do that. Did you, t- has, did you were those conversations you had, or is there something else that you saw that told you that, yeah, that's, that's what I'm seeing here? It's just what I see. Um, you know, we visited a little bit. We visit a little bit. Haven't spent a lot of time with him. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he got thrown into a very unique situation yes, at did. the end of the season. He was the starting quarterback. And so um, I hope to have more visits with him. I'm sure I will because I do the preseason games. And I'm, I'm anxious to see him grow. I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to become as a quarterback in the National Football League. You know, and it's funny because there's so much focus on – you know, the mobile quarterbacks and all that. And that's not he, he's that's not really his game, although he's more mobile than that, uh, I guess the phrase is, than everybody always gave him credit for. So, you know, do you see the NFL still being a – I mean, I would assume you would still see the NFL as a place where a guy like Dwayne with his skill set can still go out there and do very well. I think if you're going to be a success and have any longevity in professional football, you have to learn to throw the football from the pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you – could, Lamar Jackson can only do so much, but you really can hurt football teams by working out of a pocket. Even Patrick Mahomes, who runs right. around a lot, um, still work out of a pocket. Jimmy Garoppolo basically works out of a pocket. I mean, look at the guys that have won championships. Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Tom Brady. Drew Brees doesn't move much. Aaron Rodgers is more effective when he's in the pocket than out of the pocket. So as far as Dwayne just being somewhat of a quote-unquote pocket-style quarterback, I think that serves him well. Yeah, I don't think that's a negative at all. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm with you there. And I also think the way the system is going to be set up with, their, their, with Scott Turner's system, the play action, some shots down the middle, I think that, I think that fits his game. Do you? I do. As a matter of fact, uh, John, it's a system I ran. Right. The, uh, the way this system is set up, it's um, Coach Gibbs ran it, Don Coriel ran it, Norv Turner ran it, now Scott Turner is going to run it. Uh, and, of course, the, the formations have changed a little bit, but uh, you've added another receiver in some instances. But the foundation of this particular offense is one that I'm very familiar with, and I understand it. And, and really, for me, playing with Billy and Sonny was the best thing that happened to me. Neither right. of them were scrambling quarterbacks. 
So if I was going to be on that football team for the four years I was before I had a chance to play, I had to learn to operate out of a pocket because the offense wasn't set for someone to move around a lot. So, I mean, it was it, it served me very well to be able to play with Billy and Sonny. And, you know, it's funny because like, I know like this staff kind of looks at it and say they, you know, they had a plan for Cam Newton when they came in. Now they have a plan for for Dwayne, for helping to develop Dwayne Haskins. And so what would be your plan if you could, you know, say, OK, this is how I still want to go about developing. What would be your plan for him? Well, I would I would look at first of all, I would sit down and I would look at um, the games that he played. I would evaluate his decisions. I would evaluate uh, his footwork. I would evaluate protecting of the ball. Um, I would evaluate him trying to escape and run. I would evaluate what he is. And then inside the system that I have, I would emphasize certain things that I think he does very well and certain things that he also needs to work on. Too often, people get very critical, and they never really emphasize, say, you know what, you made a great throw. Right. This was, this was an excellent decision. We want, you want to build his confidence. You, want right. to, you don't want to tear him down and just say, well, you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right. It's a question of being able to go out and build on the things that he does well and the things that give this offense a chance to be able to put the ball in the end zone, which we did not do very well at all right. last year. Right. Or and, the last couple of years. Right. And I think that's where getting more weapons to help him or anybody who's playing here would need that. But he's going to need that. And this offense definitely needs it. I want to switch to another quarterback, Alex Smith. How much I know you've talked to him a lot in the past. How much are you still in contact with him about his recovery and all that? I see Alex on occasion. I mean, now with the season not around, uh, we'll probably play some golf once the weather gets nice again. And I did it. I get it sort of an update. But uh, everything that I heard, everything that, that I'm aware of, he's making incredible progress. Um, but his age is a factor. Right. I think his economic situation is a factor. If you want to bring Dwayne along, if Alex comes back and is able to play John, what do you do? Right. You, you've, groomed, you've groomed a young quarterback. You've drafted one. Now, how many more years is Alex going to have and take that year away from Dwayne's development? Right. Those, I mean, those are all decisions that have to be made internally by the organization but the the fight and the fire that i see in alex is i mean it, it, it is historic this guy is he wants it so bad well you know he used to carry rocks i know uh, i know in in the water to condition himself so you know what kind of a, a dedicated individual he is i hope he is able to come back i really do but you know the difficulties of coming back from this injury not many people do you do what is, is there something different about this situation that may allow him to come back? Well, first of all, you know, he's, he's had a rod put in. I never did. Okay. So there's more stability in that leg. Um, you know, God bless him. He came within a day of losing his leg. I know. So this, this was like, you're talking about a mountain being climbed. This is one of the biggest mountains that's ever been climbed. Um, I, I, think, I think his movement outside the pocket will be critical just how fluid he can be, just how comfortable he can be. And because it's the right leg, people tend to look at arms of quarterbacks, right. and they say he has a strong arm, he can do this, he can do that. The throwing motion is like the golf swing. It starts from the ground up. And unless you have the ability to be able to push, um, to be able to push off, it's hard to be able to have the 100% mechanism of throwing. So, simply explained if 
the throwing motion is 100%, and a percentage is generated from my leg, and I can't get that percentage. It has to come from someplace else. Because I started to develop soreness in my arm in places that I didn't have soreness before. Mm. So my arm was over, my arm was really working overtime to make up for my legs. And that's the thing that you have to keep an eye on with Alex. Once he starts to throw a certain amount, is there going to be any development that way in the soreness of his arm? And I would imagine too psychologically, because you're you're at that point in your career where it's it's you know we just we know it's about Joe, it's about Alex, but really for you guys have people in your lives who are telling you things too. I mean, do you, how many people are telling you? Do you think might be telling him, you know, Alex, you know, you've made a lot of money, you've done a lot in your career. What are you doing? And did you go through that? Did you have people telling you that too? And is that hard to kind of deal with? Yeah, those are the people that don't understand you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they. Believe me, they, they have your best interest in heart. Um, they have your future in mind. There's so many things that people want for you that are good, except they just don't understand the fire that burns inside you. You know, I had this conversation with Coach Gibbs. Joe said, Joe told me when I was trying to come back, he said, Joe, look, you've done everything in this game you can do. You've won a Super Bowl. You, you know, you've made money. You've done all the things that, that this game gives you. Why don't you just walk away? I said, Joe, it's not me. Right. It's not me. It's, I, it's, I can't do that. I can't just walk away. Um, it's unfinished business. And I think to a degree you want to go out on your terms, not someone else's. And I believe that's what's driving Alex as well, that fire inside of him to come back. And you know what, John? It's great because yeah. if he isn't able to play, the time that he has invested in getting himself trying to play will serve him very well with his children absolutely. and his life going forward. A- absolutely. And how long did it take you after that decision was made? I and mean, you, you came to the conclusion, and the Redskins did, that you couldn't go on anymore. How long did it take for you, even after that, to accept that? Um, six, seven years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I figured. Remember, I, I used to go out, when I was in television, I used to go out and throw, I used to throw defensive drills for the Cleveland Browns, the at that time the San Diego Chargers, in in when the Baltimore Ravens, uh, I was fifty years old, <laughs> and I got hurt when I was thirty five. When the Baltimore Ravens played the New York Giants in the Super Bowl in Tampa, I threw defensive drills for the Ravens on that Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> Ryan Billick. So does it ever go away? It, you know, and it hasn't. You know, Phil Simms, Boomer Esiason, and these guys have always, you know giving me a hard time. I said, Joe, give it up, man. Just give it up. It's over. <laughs> but I can't. I just can't. <laughs> but that's fair. I, I love that, though. Um, we, let's go to the coaching end now and Dan Snyder and the moves he made. You know Dan well. How did you see this season maybe change him at all? I, I saw a great resolve. I mean, he, he basically looked at the organization and realized there were things that had to be changed. Um, you know, fans became tired. Yeah. They became tired of the losses. They became tired of the way the team played. And there had to be changes. There, there had to be personnel changes. And, you know, he decided he was going to change this organization from the top to the bottom. It was more than just hiring a coach. It was more than just um, looking at that aspect of it. He wanted to examine and, and study the entire organization. And as I spend time with him now... Mm-hmm. I sent someone at peace. Really? I think 
Stan really, I Stan really feels good. He worked his ever-loving rear end off starting early in November when he decided that it was time to make some decisions. And uh, he went forward and made them. You know, and, and these are relationships that he's had for a long time. But yeah. if, if you're running any kind of a business, tough decisions are never easy. And in the case, in the case with Dan and, uh, and what he did with the front office, mm-hmm. what he's done regarding a coach, um, you know, I give him a, a, I give him, like I said, I give him an awful lot of credit for stepping up. Nobody ever wants to give Dan credit. I'll tell you, I give him credit for doing the things that he felt necessary for the football team, for them to be successful, but also for the fans yeah. to get behind this team again and say, you know, we're excited about the Redskins. There's an energy at Redskin Park. That hasn't been there in a long time. Really? You, you can feel that when yeah. you're going in there? You can feel it in the building. You feel it in the coaching, talking to the coaching staff. There, there's, such, there's such newness. There's, they're learning. They have to learn their players. They, you know, they've done some things in the building that opened the place up a little bit more. And um, I, think that, I think it's just going to serve everybody well. Like I said, I really get the sense that Dan is at, is at peace with his decisions. Um, you know, he knew he needed to do something, and in typical Dan Snyder fashion, he went and got it done. <laughs> well, and and, the, and you brought it up too. And my thing with organizations, like to be, you know, the thing you always hear is like the one question you need to ask is, what's the best thing for this organization? And it seemed like he did ask that to himself and reach these conclusions. But it is hard to get rid of guys like, you know, whatever fans think of Bruce Allen, this was a guy he's close with for 10 years and Larry Hess and Eric Schaefer, guys like that. That's that's a hard thing to do. I'm not sure, you know, that's that's really that had to be very hard for him. It, it, it was. I mean, it, it's hard in so much because of the relationships that you've built. But from a business standpoint, and this is why he's become, been such a success in business, you have to make the tough decision. And sometimes it requires replacing people that, you know, are your friends. But you have to think of the organization. You have to think of, of what you need to do to give it a chance to be successful. And, and he gave Ron more power than I think he's probably given anybody. Why do you feel maybe that's the case? I, I think, you know, a little bit like uh, a little bit of a Joe Gibbs type influence. Right. Joe had a lot of control. Mike Shanahan had a lot of control. Um you know, we always go back to the old Bill Parcells saying, hey, if you want me to do the cooking, you have to give me a chance right. to shop for the groceries. Um, obviously, Ron isn't going to make a decision just based upon what she feels alone. There'll be a lot of people that will contribute to why someone should be on that football team. Why should we sign someone and give them a chance to be on our football team? What can this individual bring that, say, another individual can't? Um he did, he did a terrific job down in Carolina, mm-hmm. putting together a football team that went to a Super Bowl. Um, he's got a defensive background, which I think, you know, we were, the lack of communication in, and uh, problems we had in the secondary in particular. It's pretty bad. Uh, we're a very talented young football team, but it doesn't, you know, it's, it's, John, it's never mattered the type of talent that you have. It's how well that group of men play together. Right. That's what matters. Is you don't need to be the biggest, fastest, strongest, but if you play together and you're where you're supposed to be and you take care of your job, you take care of the things that you need to, let the coaches make the adjustments that they need to, then you have a chance. I mean, I'm talking about the San Francisco 49er defense right, right now. 
right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And I've, I've seen a lot of parallels between the 49ers, what, what they went through and what the Redskins have gone through over the last 15, 20 years. Um, you know, the, the other thing, too, um, when you look at this, do you, do you, did you have any concerns or, or anything at all about the way it's set up because it is giving a coach that much power? And there's really not, you know, there's always been kind of somebody else at a similar level to work with that coach. Do you, did you ever have any concerns about this or did you like this, like it this way? No, I like, well, you've got Kyle Smith too. Yeah. And Kyle's very good. Yeah. You've got a Jones sort of, and you know, the pedigree is there. Of course, Doug is in the building. Doug's been around the personnel yeah. aspect of it for quite a while. So, like I say, it isn't just going to be all wrong. And 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 I think the one thing I've gathered from Rivera is that he does want to. He uses the word collaboration a lot, and so I don't think he's going to be some dictator general just run it throwing things down. I think he will. Um, it's, it does sound like he's going to try and bring consensus. And it's funny because you go back to the communication and being on the same page on the field. I felt like this organization wasn't that way in the front office and the coaching staff the last several years. So if you can get that corrected, that's a huge deal, isn't it? It really is. I, and, you know, I've, you know what transpired uh, from, all, from the front office down to coaches and everything else, you know, it's all conjecture. No one, no one really knows for sure. All we know is the results on the field were not what anybody right. wanted. And that's where the changes were made and had to be made. You brought up your some some days from your broadcasting career, and I'm just curious. You still have a lot of energy. You're still very vibrant and out there. Do you miss doing a lot of that? Would you like to get back into more of that? Uh, you know, no. <laughs> okay, okay, that's you know, easy. I, you know, I, I love, listen. I love doing it when I get it. Um, the economics have changed. Uh, I mean, the economics in broadcasting uh, for those that are at the top level are somewhat similar to what we see in football. Yeah. You know, there's high-priced people. Um, but I really enjoy the Redskin preseason. I enjoy being part of the Redskin family. I enjoy sharing stories with people about the Washington Redskins. I enjoy, um, you know, trying to help the organization any way I can. I, I stay out of the coaching. I stay out of personnel. But if there's anything else I can do, if it's conversations with a young player, if it's uh, sitting down to dinner, doesn't matter. All those things to me are a way I can help. And, it, you know, I have my family that I want to spend more time with. I have my golf game I need to work on. Hmm. I have, uh, you know, I have my book coming out uh, June 15th called How to Be a Champion Every Day. I do upwards of 80 presentations, motivational speeches. So I stay real busy, um, but I still love the game. And I'm just, being passionate about life is always what I'm all about. I didn't know about your book. You want what? What is this going to be? I, I guess the title is kind of self-explanatory. But what? Why did you want to do this? And what is it? What's the the you know the theme or the um just of the book? Well, I wrote. You know, it, the book is based upon my motivational speeches. I talk about goals and attitudes, customer service, teamwork, motivation, all of uh, all of those type of things. And um, it was something that's been in the works for a number of years. I finally. Finally, put it uh, pen to paper Good. And, and got it done. It's not. It's not easy. I haven't done that. I know. Uh, it is. Know. It is a chore. It is really hard. Um, the last question I want to ask you, Joe, and I, again, I always appreciate your time, and I love talking to you because the insight is always great. T Tom Brady, what do you think he should do? Well, I think he's going to be back in New England. I think he signs basically a two-year deal. It'll be a one-year deal with a one-year option, similar to what we see in Dubois. I think he'll finally fairly be compensated somewhere in the $30 million range. Um, 
and he should be because he's been underpaid for way too long. Right. And Tom will finish as a New England Patriot. I believe that he has unfinished business. I've known Tom for a number of years. I don't see him walking away with this taste in his mouth after not having a shot at the ring. I was right. with him at Super Bowl 50. He didn't like sitting in a, a reception with me. He wanted to be on the field. <laughs> you know, I said, how are you doing? He said, not well. I said, well, I shouldn't be here. I said, what do I mean? He said, I should be on the field. I should be getting ready for the game. I should be a practice. He's just that way. God, That's what makes yeah. him so special and unique. So I think he'll be back. I personally do. It's funny you say that because I saw a photo of him from the Super Bowl on social media, and my first thought was, yep. I wonder how much he's hating this right now, being there in that role. Trust me, he is. <laughs> okay. He is not liking it at all, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, Joe, listen, like I said, I appreciate you joining me, and I, like I said, I always enjoy talking to you. Thank you very much for coming Thanks. out. Thanks, John. Look forward to catching up with you again. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. After this break, I'll be back with your mailbag questions with topics ranging from the front office setup to what they might do at tight end. Is Greg Olson really an option? Welcome back. Now time for your mailbag questions. At CD Chat wants to know, when Ron, meaning Rivera, was on with Doc Walker um, on the Team 980, he made it clear that he appreciated players coming in to meet the new staff, has Haskins. If not, I wonder if Haskins feels too close to Snyder and above the fray, which would be a concern a la RG3. All right, CD, my understanding is that Haskins has met with the staff. Even during Rivera's introductory presser, when Haskins was knocked for being out of town, I was told that he had planned to meet with him the following day. Keep in mind that they can't do any work with the new staff right now because, uh, because of the CBA rules, but I do believe that he's talked to Rivera and, and other new staff members. I know that Haskins was hoping for Kevin O'Connell to stick around. O'Connell coached him hard down the stretch last season, and Haskins responded well. But I do think he'll like this new staff. I do know that Haskins seeks out advice from others, notably Doug Williams. That's something that Griffin did not do, and I know it always kind of bothered Williams. He's a sounding board for many players, which is why he's in a great spot for him and the organization as a liaison between the players and the coaches. Haskins is among those who talks to him often. The key for Haskins will be the work he puts in this offseason. It took him a long time to get everything down last season. It's not as simple as saying the previous staff had no plan. He was put in a bad spot with a coach and a staff that had to win now. But he was struggling with some basic things even into September, things that as a you know that he should have picked up earlier. Um, he's going to have to pick up a new offense, a new terminology this offseason. He might also have to beat out Alex Smith. Stay tuned on that one. But as I've said often, if Haskins emerges with the job, it'll be because the Redskins saw a lot that they liked in the offseason, going into camp, etc. I do know the new staff feels that it has a good plan for him when they use with Cam Newton in Carolina. Now, they're different players and in different spots, but they will do what they can to develop him, and that's a good thing. Number two, at Skins Universe 8. If you had to guess, do you think do you excuse me? If you had to guess, do you think they see Kelvin Harmon as a bona fide starter playing Z or more of a rotational type? Well, here's what I've heard about the receiving core, and they like that they'd like to find someone who can be more of a one A or one B 
to pair with Terry McLaurin on the other side. To me, that means they don't view that person as being on the roster right now, and they seem to like Steven Sims in the slot, and they should. And from what I've heard, they view Harmon um, more as a, as a backup, as a rotational guy, as you said, a fourth guy, and he's a good one at that. In other words, again, a backup. That's how I'd see him as well. We all know they need to add more weapons at receiver to the starting lineup. Sims showed that he can make plays, and McLaurin certainly can. Harmon is a solid backup who can help with his size and his blocking. I would think they will address this position, whether in free agency or the draft, or both. But again, I do think that Harmon has a future here, and he should. I think there are a lot of good things that he can add here. At Kyle Brooks at KBrooks910 wants to know, don't know when you're, oh, okay, don't know when you're planning to do another mailbag. Okay, that's before, the, and, and I'll say this, I'm answering this question because Kyle, this question led me to say I should do a mailbag. Um, I've heard several times from Ron Rivera that when, they are inevi- when there are inevitably disagreements amongst the front office, coaches, etc. on a player, they'll go to Snyder for his input. I have some major concerns there. So there's really not a question, it's a statement. However, I know what the question is. What the hell? Anyways, I mean, here's my answer. It's Snyder's team and he paid a lot of money for it. Listen, it's smart for Revere to say what he has given Snyder's background. Part of the reason Marty Schottenheimer lasted only one year is because he essentially removed Snyder from the process. He didn't keep him in as informed as necessary. And to be honest, that was dumb. Snyder wants to be informed. Keep him informed. The second part of this is that Rivera spoke with Joe Gibbs about this job. The number one thing Gibbs did, or one of the best things Gibbs did, is make Snyder and Vinny Serrato part of the decision-making process, and he would constantly praise their input. I don't know how much they really helped with that, um, whether it was just getting in, but by praising them, it makes them publicly he would do so. I think it leads to a better working relationship, and I think it allows the coach to then eventually get his what he wants by massaging the conversation. I think, you know, and I think that's just part of it. One thing I heard during this process is that whoever comes in has to make it so that Snyder thinks a certain move is his idea. And I think by taking this approach, I think you you allow that to happen because Snyder's going to view it as as you're as you're being on the same side and not fighting against him. Requires some massaging, but it's doable. I think that's a lot of what Rivera will do. And what Rivera also said that is that if there's a tie on a big decision, they will go to, to Dan Snyder. That doesn't mean that necessarily he'll make the final call. Um, keep in mind, though, if it's a tie, it means somebody else on the football side thinks it's a good move. The reality is I doubt what this will happen often, but you have to keep him informed. He's the owner of the team, and the moves impact his franchise. How many businesses out there would make any decision a big decision without informing the person who owns that business. The key is not having a situation where Snyder says, this is what we're doing, regardless of what the scouts or others think. And that's what has happened at times in the past. That's what you have to be more afraid of. Alan C. Chapman at Mr. Underscore Chappie. What are your thoughts on the tight end position? How long until we know about Reed and what direction do you, at the position do you see them headed? Um, well, obviously tight ends need a major overhaul. Vernon Davis is retiring, um, so that he's out. And I don't think he would have been back here anyways, even if he wanted to play again. It's really hard to imagine Jordan Reed returning, especially at his current cap figure. I think there's no way that that part happens. 
Um, there are some intriguing free agent tight ends with Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry at the top of the list. And yes, Greg Olson is available. And I know there was a report that said a source close to him said he'd consider the skins. Well, of course he would. If you're a source close to Olsen, wouldn't you want more teams involved in a guy that you may be close to? So yes, you'd want it to be known that he would consider them. There's also the obvious tie-in with Ron Rivera, his coach from Carolina. So yeah, of course it would make sense. I was also told that Olsen wants to win a championship, and I think he's even said that, or he might go into TV. He's going to soon turn 35, so this could be his last season. If you think the Redskins are that close to a title in 2021, then I think a lot of things line up. Um, I don't think that anybody's going to go into the offseason thinking that way. Olsen would be good to add in the room, and I've heard good things about his leadership, but no way would I think, if I'm the Redskins, that, hey, we're done there, okay? Um, I've always said you can't just chase names. So Olsen, you know, and he has a big name, but his name was made over the last, or in the past. It's, it's not going to be made in the future. He would still add some good value because you need to add a couple tight ends there. Um, they need more talented young players and to really focus hard on bringing other, in another legit talent at that position, even if they somehow added Olsen. All right, and then Tim Meek at Tim Indie Skins Fan. And I always like answering Tim's question because the dude's always traveling here from Indianapolis, and so I want to give him whatever answers I can. Um, his question is, things appear to be aligning very well between the front office coaches and players, mostly guys without agendas. Quality people at every level. I haven't felt this way since Gibbs 2.0. Even with Gibbs, there seems to be, there seem to be more obstacles. Do I have Ashburn syndrome? <laughs> well, okay. That's a syndrome that many have succumbed to over the years, and we all know that. I will say in talking to some people, there's a definite energy in the building that hasn't been there in a while. That happens with change, so take that for what it's worth. But I, we all know that the change must occur, the change that must occur must be on the field starting in September, but there's a confidence in Rivera among those on the staff based on what I've heard from some in the building. The real test comes when there are disagreements. They can say whatever they want now, but do those disagreements get out in the media? Do they cause divisions? But that goes back to what you said about agendas, etc. I see this group as being more unified, and I'd add the word potentially unified because we really don't know yet. I will also say in talking to one person who knows this place well, the feeling was that Rivera should still add someone to the front office in a primary role. This person said the only true situation that compares to this one right now is New England, because there's not anyone on Rivera's level in the building. He needs somebody to act as kind of a go-between, if nothing else. Coaches get consumed with so many things during the week that you don't want to have to deal with things that a general manager really does deal with. And this person told me that he'd want, that he felt that Rivera would need somebody he can trust who can tell him in a, let's say, in 10 to 15 minutes, all that he needs to know and, and basically take out all the, the garbage and just filter it through and the things that he must deal with. Otherwise, a lot more of his time gets consumed with putting out fires, and there are fires all the time with every single team. Maybe Kyle Smith could be that guy, but they just started working together. Will he be comfortable playing that role and telling Rivera some things that maybe he doesn't want to hear? It has to be someone who's okay delivering bad news to him or, or being able to um, be completely truthful with him. That's why I can still see another addition after the draft. And don't worry about how it impacts free agency or the draft just yet. Kyle Smith does know how to run the draft, and I think he's a smart guy. It's not as it's everybody says it's not as hard to draw up a free agency board as is the draft. It'll eventually be more the day-to-day -day running of the team and letting Rivera be the coach. 
But yeah, I think right now you have to say this is setting up to be a really good setup. Those are all your podcast questions. I'll be back in a minute to give you a few thoughts after watching the Super Bowl Sunday night. Well, I only want to spend a few minutes on Super Bowl-related items because that's not why you're here, to rehash the Super Bowl. So I'm going to keep it to Redskins-related stuff, and this isn't about mistakes, real or perceived, that the Redskins made. Heck, with Kyle Shanahan, the team that should feel worse is Cleveland. He bolted there after one year with a 32-point memo in hand. But whatever. I will say I'm happy for Andy Reid. I'm happy for Kendall Fuller, Bashad Breeland. Um, But with Reid, I've long felt he was a terrific coach, and this ensures He'll end up in the Hall of Fame one day where I feel he belongs. And this is about Reed's influence on coaches, notably Ron Rivera. He's a guy Rivera's talked to a lot, having coached with Reed in Philadelphia. The Redskins say they wanted a coach-centric approach like the Chiefs, but as I explained earlier, this isn't exactly the same setup as of yet. In the end, I think it could be and will be. I think it's still evolving, but I think the success Reed has had in Kansas City and the knowledge he's gained as to why will help guide Rivera. Now, Reed was more successful in Philly than Rivera was in Carolina, but he's a very, very good resource for Rivera who who appears intent on listening to his wisdom. I love when coaches do that. The successful coaches I've been around at any level are always looking for more information, even as they've had a lot of success themselves. I've seen too many guys come through here who I don't feel have done the same thing. The other lesson from that game Sunday night is how important it is to have elite players. The 49ers pass rush improved dramatically because of Nick Bosa. He dominated Sunday night. Um, Now, I pointed this out to someone on Twitter Monday morning um, because they wanted to know, basically, could Chase Young make that big a difference here with, with what the Redskins have? And I pointed out, here's the difference the 49ers pass rush in pre and post Bosa. In 2018, the Niners ranked 23rd in sacks per pass attempt and had just one player with more than five and a half sacks. This year, they ranked third in sacks per pass attempt and had four players with more than five and a half sacks. Now, playing with the lead clearly would help that, but so did having a player such as Bosa who makes others better. Throw in a coordinator who didn't just rely on all four winning one-on-one battles with straight pass rushes and you have a feared rush. Yes, I would get frustrated watching the lack of creativity with the Redskins' defensive front the last few years when too often they relied on, just go beat your guy. That wasn't a strategy. That said, the Niners didn't finish despite having that 10-point lead. Why? Because the elite skill talent on the Chiefs' side starting at quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is just unique. No, (laughs) No real insight there, right? Look what he did to win the Super Bowl, the rallies he had to lead the Chief, throughout the playoffs. The Chiefs never panicked in any game because of Mahomes, even when they were down 10 to an elite defense like San Francisco. Why? The, the Chiefs have elite talent, and he beat an elite defense Sunday. He also has a top tight end in Travis Kelsey and multiple dynamic receivers, starting with Tariq Hill, paired with an elite offensive mind in Reed. The Chiefs made it a point to surround their quarterbacks with excellent talent. I say quarterbacks because they started doing this with Alex Smith. They continued doing it 
with, um, with, with Patrick Mahomes. For a young quarterback, that's an absolute must, and the Chiefs get it. That's why I think the Redskins will be intent on doing the same this offseason with Dwayne Haskins. And that's why, that's why when it comes to the number two pick, you can't just say they should trade and get more picks because they need a lot. Well, for starters, we don't yet fully know what they're going to need until after free agency. If they part ways with Trent Williams, that brings a pick back, but it also creates a need. Do they find a veteran receiver and tight end, a corner? What do they do along the interior of the old line with Brandon Sheriff, Eric Flowers? They do have cap room and can create more up to around, I'm going to get, I'm going to generally, they can create around $70 million in cap room. And unlike in years past, they have money there to make some moves if they want. But second, elite wins in the NFL. And if you can get an elite talent at two, then you take that player and you don't look back. A big key, a big key will be how they view Chase Young compared to the other top players in the draft. If they don't feel there's a big gap between him and other top prospects, whether it's Jeffrey Okuda or Isaiah Simmons or one of the receivers or one of the tackles, depending what happens with Williams, then a trade makes sense. But if they view Young as elite and head and shoulders above the others, then it's a no-brainer. Elite wins. The Redskins don't have, they don't have elite guys. That's the lesson from Sunday night and most other nights as well. So much of this will depend on Dwayne Haskins' growth, as we have discussed, and will continue to do so for the next six months. I do see them committing to trying to develop him this year rather than selecting a quarterback. I've heard a lot about them having a plan, but to think I know for sure what they're going to do at number two, that would be very incorrect on my end. It's too early to have anything definitive. But there will be strong arguments to, make, be, to be made with the draft, whether the Redskins should look to trade or not. There is no debating about the impact elite players make in this league. The Redskins lack elite players. They do have some guys who are very good who I think can elevate their game to a certain point. But right now, you have to say they just don't have them. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much to Joe Theismann for coming on. I know Joe does a lot of interviews, but I always enjoy talking to him, so I hope you always like hearing from him. And thank you for your questions. And as always, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon.